Previously, on Chasing the Light. Damn it. The whole city is out of power and it's all because of... No. It couldn't be. Jenkins! We now return to this week's episode. I've been waiting here for three hours. Stop giving me that weird phone noise, okay? No? God damn it! How does one chase the light? The city's out of power. The whole world is in chaos. And we can't even just chase the light. Social distancing rules. There has to be another way. I've got one call left. It's do or die time. I can't just do this for myself. I have to do this for my family. For my friends. For my family's friendliest friends. And of course, Stu. I know that you're listening to this, Stu. I can't let them down. All I can do is just... Johnny! Pass me the phone. I'm gonna be calling the WWE. I'm gonna get the best Sub-Zero cosplayer out there. And I'm gonna get this man on Raw. What do you mean he's on main event? Get him on Raw, damn it! Everybody move out! Now was our last call. Don't look at me! I think he's really cool! Oh, goddamn suffers is all just giving me that. On this week's episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing the man that chases the light. It's Mustafa Ali. What are my thoughts on his current times in main event? Where I think he could go from here? And where on earth will he go next? So for now, tell your friends. Tell your friendliest friends. Tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Hello everybody, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast, the only podcast that tries to grapple with both fiction and professional wrestling. Today, if you could not tell by the title... We're talking about Mustafa Ali, and for those of you who have never listened to this podcast, this is the podcast where I try and give you the latest updates on a current wrestler, and pitch you potential storylines on where on earth they could go next. So, let's just jump right into it. Mustafa Ali. God, I wish he was used more on television. He's one of those guys who I just, I look at him and I think, absolute superstar. Like... I remember seeing him initially in the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic, just so I don't give acronyms. And there was something about him that I just really liked. Maybe it was just his sort of, like, look, the, like, overall, like, top and the tights type of look he was rocking. And how it kind of made him look like a superhero, which has kind of carried on over the years. But there's something about him that I think there is a really big appeal for. Like, to me, when I look at Mustafa Ali... I look at a guy who 
He looks like a superhero. Like whenever he walks out to the ring with his light up face mask and his light up glove. Just in the current pandemic alone, he should be the face of the company. <laughs> like, if you want to encourage people to wear masks, just have it be like, Hey, wear it like Mustafa Ali. Because the man rocks a face mask. Like, I remember when he first debuted it back at WrestleMania... 34? 34? 33? It was the one with Cedric Alexander. And it was the Cruiserweight Classic Final. Uh, not Cruiserweight Classic Final, the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament Final. And he just starts debuting this new look on the big WrestleMania stage. And, like, the freaking, like, glove starts to light up and you can just place it in the middle of the ring. He just looked so freaking cool. And he did get... A push the minute he got moved to Friday Night Smack. Was it Friday Night Smackdown at that point? Or was it still uh, Tuesdays? Where, you know, he got that big win over Daniel Bryan. And, you know, it seemed like he was going to be getting a big push from there. Like he was being treated a little bit more of like a top star. Until he got injured. And don't get me wrong. I, I love Kofi Mania. Kofi Mania was absolutely incredible. But I can't help but think what could have been if Ali took that gauntlet match spot that Kofi had, if he wasn't injured. Just, it's so many what ifs in pro wrestling. And that's the point of this podcast is to just go through those what ifs and, you know, just speculate for the future. Where could Ali go in my weird, weird, yeah, I don't want to say wonderful because I feel like I'm overcomplicating over complimenting myself weird and wacky head there we go wacky we're gonna go with wacky so let's just get on with where he currently is right now Ali in his various Twitter hashtags is currently main event Mustafa he's on main event and don't get me wrong it could be a lot worse we could see him on I don't know superstars if that still existed it probably doesn't at this point he could be down back in 205 live which maybe wouldn't be a bad thing at this point you know what wwe really lacks right now it lacks an underdog babyface because let's look at who we currently have right now on the roster we have drew mcintyre keith lee the fiend we haven't really got many like underdog babyfaces who can almost like Defy the odds, be the kind of like every man that kind of wrestling fans enjoy. And for me, Mustafa Ali fits that bill and then some. Because, like, his character has something that not many babyface characters really have, like Ricochet or back when Cedric Alexander was a face. His motivation is mainly just to prove that his own sort of like stereotypes wrong that he himself can be a role model to people like immediately that's a very identifiable trait that you can use to just sort of get yourself over and i don't see why wwe doesn't capitalize on this and just use mustafa ali to expand to various other markets and minorities like they were already planning to do that with uh, Alberto Del Rio in the past. They tried to do that with Jinder. I don't see why they don't try and capitalize with this on Ali. For me, he's a guy who you can do that and get away with it because he's so good. 
And I know that's kind of an understatement considering the talent that we have on WWE programming, but this guy is such a good seller. And when you give him, like, television time, like, all the times that he did all those, like, backstage segments of just filming himself talking about stuff, they felt so different and real. And that's very hard to find with a babyface right now. Like, I'd argue he's probably one of the better babyface promos on the WWE roster. The strengths of Mustafa Ali is that he's a character who, whilst you can get away with him losing a bunch because he is kind of an underdog babyface, when he wins, it should be treated like the biggest thing in the world. Not because it isn't possible for him to win or like it's shocking for it, but it's just when he overcomes these things, that's a big triumph. For me, that's the biggest reason why he was such a success on 205 Live was that overcoming of the odds and fighting people like Buddy Murphy who were kind of able to overpower him or Cedric Alexander when they were, you know, sort of feuding for the Cruiserweight title. There is so much more that I think Mustafa Ali could do and I honestly do believe under the bottom of my heart that he could be one of the top baby faces of the WWE. He's just got the look, he's got the merchandise that you could kind of sell like Rey Mysterio, he's incredibly athletic, he's a fantastic seller. I still remember the times where he was selling from Samoa Joe, and just sort of the impacts of everything there. So we may as well just get on to the first person who I think he should feud with, and it's going to be a callback to some of the stuff we've already talked about already, and it's Daniel Bryan. We never got that proper Daniel Bryan Mustafa Ali program from back when Ali debuted on SmackDown and he got that big win over Daniel Bryan. The closest we got was the triple threat match before WrestleMania at Belief Fastlane between him and Kevin Owens. And sure, Ali took the fall with that great counter to the running knee, but we never really saw much after that. I'm pretty sure Ali was on the Memorial Battle Royal from there and then his whole thing got moved straight down to sort of a mid-card position. I think that you can base this feud around how if it wasn't for Ali getting injured, he could have potentially beaten Brian for the WWE Championship. Plus, if you have Ali work with Brian, look at what he did with Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak, before his feud with Daniel Bryan, was just, I mean, you can argue what he is now, but before then, he was just a pure jobber. Like, I'm not saying that as a knock on the guy. He's a fantastic technical wrestler. But after his feud with Brian, he got much further than I think a lot of people expected. Like, the minute that he started having, like, a program with AJ Styles for a little bit, challenging for the Intercontinental title, and his extra stuff working with Braun Strowman once again, that's a lot more of an opportunity that I think a lot of people expected from him coming out of 205 Live. And vice versa, if you want to put him in there with Mustafa Ali and just put him over. Because I think there's a lot of parallels between Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan, just kind of how both characters have to sort of fight underneath, sort of overcome the odds and get themselves an opportunity. Mustafa Ali with his own little backstage promos that he had to do. Daniel Bryan going from just a pure technical wrestler to the no, then the yes gimmick, then teaming with Team Hell No, till finally he got a shot at the WWE title. There's a lot of very cool dynamics you can play off with with this. And maybe if you want, maybe you could do a little passing of the torch moment. 
between Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan's starting to take more of a creative position and there isn't really many other guys who fulfill the role that Daniel Bryan does. And I think if you do that, you can start building that organic connection between Mustafa Ali and the WWE audience. Make Mustafa Ali's character of being the man that chases the light, you know, more of a real-life thing. Like, if you want to compare him to Daniel Bryan still in this type of story, uh, both of them are family men. They're both people with, like, wives that they gravely respect. This can literally just be an honourable, just sort of back and forth, maybe in a similar vein to maybe Drew Gulak is teaching Daniel Bryan about how Hey, you beat me on the technical game, but what about the high-flying game with Mustafa Ali and his sort of, like, creativity with the 054, then the 450, and that sort of, like, rolling uh, face buster he does? Like, really base it around that and have it be the clashing of styles between this high-flying, like, daredevil like Mustafa Ali just being countered by Daniel Bryan. And just build this very fun, just sort of like technical feud. I think Ali is someone who can really get away with getting a big win here. And it doesn't hurt Daniel Bryan. At all. Because Daniel Bryan is a character who has faced adversity like Mustafa Ali. And I think for him, he would look at Mustafa Ali and just kind of want to push him to the moon. As this guy who doesn't give up. And if you want to say, look, we can have how history repeats itself, him kind of give the seal of approval to the WWE audience that this is a good guy. This is someone who we can really see just sort of, like, elevating themselves to the top. Now, I'll admit, that type of feud is more of a, a technical feud, something that you can kind of just throw out of nowhere, but if you want a real sort of, like, high-flying battle, I'd say because they've been having it on main event as well, Mustafa Ali versus Ricochet. I think that as like a friendly sort of babyface feud, kind of, if you want to bring it back, because it's the only time we've had it is with like Cesaro and Sheamus, make it a best of seven series. The best way that sort of both Mustafa Ali and Ricochet have gotten over with people has been through their athleticism. It's been through their speed being people who can do stuff in the ring that nobody else can do. Just let them do that. Don't You don't need to give them promo after promo. It can literally just be them trying to prove that they want to be the best. They want to climb out of being main event Mustafa and main event Ricochet and just want to be the actual main event. Maybe this feud is about them just working so hard to prove that they are a main event attraction. I mean, look at where Ricochet has been since his match with Brock Lesnar. You can play off that, that he hasn't been where he's wanted to be. Same with Mustafa Ali ever since his match with Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. He hasn't been where he wants to be. And you can build this as just being a battle of two high-flying stars who are overcoming such adversity from having continuous matches again and again and again. Like, maybe it can be something where each of them have to adapt their styles with each match because they fought each other so much. Ali works on the leg of Ricochet, Ricochet vice versa. And you can have it where, as the matches go on, 
their sense of like using high flying ability just sort of like goes down a little bit and they go to a little bit more technical work show what they're capable of other than just being high flyers wrestlers in the wwe especially like if they're just high flyers the ones that tend to excel are the ones who show versatility so people like daniel bryan for example when he wasn't just a technical wrestler he went to the top rope or Seth Rollins, when he was usually just a traditional high flyer. He started bringing out power moves, like the buckle bomb. This could be a great way of, like, elevating each, like, opponent's arsenal, whilst also getting them over to a larger scope of fans, being like, damn, these guys are really good. Like, that was the appeal of 205 Live. Like, back when Mustafa Ali was just, like, trying to claw his way onto SmackDown, it was... The things that got them over was those shows after Tuesday nights in which they had a 20-minute clinic against, what, Kira Tazawa, uh, uh, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander. Just so many matches where they just busted and tried everything they could to get the crowd to react. This is the chance to do that again. I guarantee that both of them are hungry to at least get themselves up to a higher position on the card. Especially with the way that WWE's right now. This is a type of feud that I think you can do and fully get away with. Just these two baby faces looking to finally prove that they deserve to be at a higher position. And of course in this I believe Mustafa should win this because I'm biased because this is his episode. But... Even then, I don't think Ricochet would lose anything in this. Like, this is really just a battle of proving who is the better high flyer. Anything that you can do, I can do better. And I think that's really the best parts of wrestling. Is, isn't just always going to be the goofy stuff. Because don't get me wrong, love the goofy stuff in my wrestling. But it's also the storytelling that you can tell with this. And, like, the best of seven series is such an underutilized matchup. Like, the last time we already talked about it was with Cesaro and Sheamus. And it resulted in them being an incredibly great tag team by the end of it. Think about what it could do for Ricochet or Ali, both of them just sort of coming out of it. I think with it, you build the things that make Ali and Ricochet great to people. And it's... Them being those baby faces who are incredibly resilient and just don't give up. That's what I think kind of gets them over. Because I don't necessarily think it's their promos. I think it's the way they carry themselves in the ring. It's their entrance. It's their appeal. It's their athleticism. Yeah, that's kind of what I basically think with that. So... We've already talked about this being very much like the best wrestler or this type of thing with the battle of technical minds or overcoming like adversity. Let's go with something that maybe it's a little bit out of the box considering where Ali is in the card, but I really want to see it. I really want to see Mustafa Ali versus Roman Reigns. If you listened to my previous episode when I was talking about Keith Lee, I talked about why I think that if Keith Lee moved over there, it would be great for him to be sort of like a top babyface there. Because there really isn't anyone who could really beat Roman at this point. 
Mustafa Ali, whilst I don't think he would be able to beat Roman, I feel like there'll be a bloody good, compelling story out of it. We got to him eventually, ladies and gentlemen. It's Roman Reigns time. It's Roman time. It's the big dog. The doggity doggy 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 dog. Roman is, by many people's estimation from being a WWE fan, is the golden goose. He is the man who has had, by many audience members' opinions, handed stuff. He's been handed the shield position when people thought it was going to be Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Cassius Ono. He was handed the Shield's theme music. He got that great nostalgia. And he also got multiple... He got Royal Rumble victory, every title victory, and is now the Universal Champion with Paul Heyman. But hey, he turned heel. We got that. And for me, that is the perfect contrast with Mustafa Ali. If you look into the history of Mustafa Ali being a former police officer to him not even supposed to be on the CWC, to him, like, getting a match in NXT, and then just asking Triple H if he's gonna potentially have a job, to being on 205 Live, where, admittedly, not many people were super invested in 205 Live, but they could respect the caliber of wrestling that was on it. Mustafa Ali, compared to Roman Reigns, has had to claw every single step of the way just to get a shot on the roster. And, admittedly, he hasn't won a title yet. Mustafa Ali, despite the caliber of his talent, has yet to win a championship against a man who has had every title in the company. That's a thought that I think just super intrigues me. Because we don't really get many storylines about a guy just trying to get his first championship. It's always been like, oh, i got to go for the world title, or, oh, I've got to go for this because it has the legacy of this. For me, this feud is just about Mustafa Ali finally getting a championship, which he could have got in this, could have got in the Cruiserweight Classic, that he could have got at WrestleMania, just sort of him being always passed by despite being so consistent. So consistent with the schedule, so consistent with just sort of like wrestling and getting those big opportunities and succeeding in those opportunities versus a man with one of the best mouthpieces in the company and probably one of the most, probably strongest careers in modern WWE. It's hard to dispute the career of Roman Reigns as being one that is not significant because it is. And for people who don't necessarily agree with this, it is a very big time match for anyone. They've treated Roman Reigns like the next John Cena, and not in the way that it's just suffering succotash, son, but just sort of the aura of a superstar. Roman Reigns, whether you love him or hate him, is a superstar. And if anyone gets paired with him, that's a good sign. So win or lose, Ali benefits from this incredibly. Plus, the promo battles between those backstage promos that Mustafa Ali could cut and Paul Heyman, I think, would be bloody brilliant. Because it could play off his background as a police officer, him being a family man just trying to prove that, prove to his kids and prove to everyone in the world that it doesn't matter how you look or how people perceive you, you can be a world champion. That's a story that I think anyone can get behind. It's an age-old story that's been used in wrestling 
years after year after year after year. And I think Ali's the next step to using that story again. If you want to emphasize it more, uh, maybe put him in a battle royal or over the top rope battle royal or a gauntlet match. The match that he, you know, poetically was meant to have initially when he was heading into the Elimination Chamber. And that he had to go through all of these people just to get a shot at Roman. Because for me, that's incredibly poetic for Ali. Just a guy who has to face this person and this person and this person and this person just to get one shot at the gold. One that he may or may not get another shot at again. Whereas he knows that if Roman loses, he's just going to get another shot in the next month or two. Because he has the right people, he has the right connections, and Ali doesn't. Ali is a guy who always has to fight from underneath. He doesn't know if he wins this belt, if how long he's going to hold it for, or this is going to be his last chance to like hold the belt. So this is like a do-or-die situation for him. And for me... This type of situation can bring out something that I think Ali has been missing, admittedly. It's that intensity. Ali is a fantastic wrestler. I think he could be totally used more. But I think if he's going to get to that next level, he needs to show more aggression. And what better way to show aggression than to put him with Roman Reigns, a guy who's had to be part of the Shield. He's had to have matches with The Undertaker with Triple H, guys who have pretty much catapulted WWE to where it is today. If there's anyone who could teach Ali, if it isn't Roman, who else would it be who's currently on the roster? Even then, working with Paul Heyman. When Paul Heyman is in charge of a feud, it's usually one of the best feuds going in WWE. Look at his work when he was working with Samoa Joe, or when he was working with Braun Strowman when or when he was working with Finn Balor or Drew McIntyre. Those were some of the feuds of the year. And if you pair him Mustafa Ali, you are making Mustafa Ali a superstar. And you're going to really put over all of the things that could be so marketable with his character. And heck, if you want to get the size difference or the speed difference across, you can have it be where he's always constantly fighting for his spot week after week. Maybe he has to face Sheamus, Baron Corbin, or just any other just sort of like big heavyweight guy. Maybe even Matt Riddle if you want to get over sort of like striking ability and how ferocious he can be. Build up Ali as this credible threat who has to overcome all of the odds just to get one shot. And then when he gets to that shot, he's just beaten. He's battered. He he needs to just actively fight for everything that he's got just to get a single shot of winning the Universal Championship. Now, all of these feuds I've talked about have been either just sort of like talking about Ali's character that we can build from or stuff that has a little bit of past but not really much history. So, I say we could just go to the last one that I'm thinking of and... This is more specifically involving the Hurt Business, but more specifically, Cedric Alexander. Because of all the people who I think should be feuding with the Hurt Business right now, 
I feel like it should really be Mustafa Ali, not necessarily Ricochet, because, ironically enough, Cedric Alexander and Ali's careers have paralleled each other so much, actually. If you look back to the Cruiserweight Classic, where they both made their debut, both of them had to fight just to get on the roster. Both of them had to get, uh, whether it be backstage people or just the audience to beg them just to sign them. And then both of them were trying to fight to be the faces of 205 Live. Ali trying to be the soul of 205 Live. Alexander the heart of 205 Live. And then them eventually clashing at WrestleMania where Cedric got the win. Then both guys went their separate ways for a bit. Ali went to SmackDown, Cedric went to Raw. Jesus, my phrasing almost went there. And then Cedric joins the Hurt Business. And... Ali's nowhere to be found. This is something that I think there's a big missed opportunity here if you want to really get over sort of the heelish side of the Hurt Business and just sort of the baby-faced nature of Mustafa Ali. For me, this whole story would basically be around Ali trying to convince Cedric that the thing that he chose to do is not the right thing. Both of them, when they became the heart and soul of 205 Live, promised to bring action, consistent, like, hard work, and Cedric, to him, has portrayed all of that. And for that story, I think Ali would have to try and overcome each member of the Hurt Business, starting with Shelton Benjamin, then MVP, then Bobby Lashley, and then Cedric. Because for him, this isn't all about the title. This is about the promises that they made when... They were coming up from the Cruiserweight Classic to 205 Live to where they are now. It's all about Ali trying to convince Cedric that this isn't the right way to do things. And maybe you could say that's a bit stupid in WWE sort of storyline worlds. But let's not forget that this is one of the very few people that Mustafa Ali as a character has the most history with. If there's one guy who you can reasonably believe could get Cedric Alexander to rethink being part of the Hurt Business and have this sort of back and forth between will he stay in the Hurt Business? Will he leave the Hurt Business? Will Mustafa Ali end up joining the Hurt Business because of Cedric? It's this type of idea because there isn't really many people that Cedric has a lot of history with and vice versa with Mustafa Ali. And you can draw the parallels from their career and how the and their differences, like how Cedric won the Cruiserweight title and Mustafa Ali never did. Or the fact that maybe in like a promo with Cedric Alexander, he's been around champions. He's been around former world champions. He's been around all these people and Ali hasn't. You can build on the stuff about how Ali still hasn't won a title in the, like the previous booking idea. It's it's something that gets over I think, one, uh, the legitimacy of the Hurt Business and them being a proper threat. And it gets over Mustafa Ali as being this sort of baby face just trying to convince people this is wrong. And then you can have these four and one assaults on Mustafa Ali in which he can get back at them, maybe get some hardcore elements in there, grab a kendo stick, grab a chair, whatever they will do, and just build that vicious streak in Ali. Really build it up from him f fighting four people. 
just to get one friend back. Because for me, this isn't a story about the title. This isn't a story about the US title. It's about a guy trying to get his friend back. If you want to take it in a WWE storyline term, it's if Sami Zayn tried to get Kevin Owens back from the dark side. Back when they used to constantly feud before they eventually decided, we're going to be best friends. It's kind of an alternative way of looking at that. And using it as a way to get over Mustafa Ali as this innocent babyface who's just trying his best. Because babyfaces in WWE, most of them, if they aren't Drew McIntyre or like big powerful babyfaces, they usually lack a common thread that can keep them as a consistent babyface. And by that, I mean that they tend to lack a reason or motive for being a good guy. Ali, in this storyline, I think, by doing this, you build a motivation for him and in turn you get people behind him because you've created a relatable situation for people to understand and get behind. And that's something that I think Mustafa Ali has in spades and that you can really use here. And if you decide you want to just put this on like a Wrestlemania card, just maybe if you want to add a title into the mix. We start for our league versus Cedric Alexander for the United States Championship. Book it as a sort of like battle of the heart and soul once again in sort of like, except on Monday Night Raw. It's Ali trying to overcome the Hurt Business and him trying to prove that just because he hasn't been around champions doesn't mean that he can't become one. Or become, in his mind, a better champion. So with that... Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, it's been very hard to book and pitch potential stuff. Because he hasn't really got much going on right now with main event. So I'll admit, a lot of these booking ideas are quite short. But they're just simple things that I think... What we know about Mustafa Ali. And where we can kind of expand upon it. So... Let's go from that random expand upon here, and let's go in the opposite direction, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who have never listened to this podcast, I usually like to end it on a bit of a wacky note. I like to end it on a little segment called Fantasy Fumble. Fantasy Fumble, for those unaware, is a section of the show where I try and give you the worst and or weirdest possible storyline I could think of. And... See if it really turns out as weird or wacky as I think it will. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Fantasy Fumble shall commence in 3, 2, 1, Fumble! Let the dumpster fire begin! Okay, so uh, what do we know about Ali? He is, he is, when he's not cosplaying, as a Sub-Zero. From Mortal Kombat, he is a police officer. So what does Ali do? He just, he, he finds himself in a thing as he's traveling and he's trying to get himself there and he's stopped by a police car. What does this mean? What could a police car do with him? They look at him and they tell him, in the words of Big Boss Man and various other police officers who have passed through the WWE, we need you 
to be back as a police officer. That's right. Mustafa Ali becomes an undercover cop, baby! It's Mustafa Ali, it's Mustafa Vice, it's Ali Vice, it's whatever you want it to be. Because WWE is filled with weird, wacky, random people. You know, it's also filled with property damage. Property damage as far as the eye can see, all caused by a single entity. One that nobody knows. So week to week, Mustafa Ali, now Officer Mustafa, investigates ring by ring, turnbuckle by turnbuckle, facing various jobbers along the way. People who you rarely see on television. Maybe some random NXT talent like uh, Everrise or uh, San no, not Santos Escobar. Uh, freaking think of a name, me. Uh, bollocks, I don't know a name. Uh, we're gonna say NXT man, NXT man, Mr. NXT. He faces Mr. NXT and he wrestles and he fights them. He taps them out in a submission hold and he asks, who is the one causing all this property damage? Who caused Braun Strowman to destroy the trucks and vans? Who caused destruction of the Spanish announce table? How do you have so much money for a Spanish announce tables? And then they say it. They say, the only way you will be able to find it is if you go to Roar Underground. That's right, it's Mustafa Ali's journey to Roar Underground. He must go there, infiltrate all the random bikini-clad women, the random music that for whatever reason plays in Raw Underground, and he must investigate. He must see all the club fights, and he must disguise himself in order to enter the exclusive club of Raw Underground, because apparently hardly anyone can get into Raw Underground. And so, he tries to enter, he disguises himself, as one of the random gimmicks that he was forced to play on the indies as a police. And he enters. He watches the matches. He sees Dolph Ziggler wrestle. He sees Braun Strowman fight uh, Baba Kato. I think his name was Baba Kato. And they fight. They see destruction. And then, because it is a police officer, he reveals that he, Mustafa Ali, is an undercover cop, and he gets his gun out, and he stops everyone! And in this, he asks Braun, who forced him to flip the truck? Who encourages the destruction of Spanish announce tables? And so, Braun stares at Shane McMahon. It is then official. It is the feud that shall begin Ali chasing down Shane McMahon from town to town, looking for Shane, hoping to arrest Shane, ending the chaos and destruction of the WWE and Raw Underground itself. So then we get to our next pay-per-view. I believe it is another pay-per-view that I've forgotten. I think it's SummerSlam for this one. And so it's our cinematic match. It's Ali driving to a destination that he's been informed by the New Day, informed by Mr. McMahon himself. And Shane McMahon is in a place that I do not recall because this is all scripted and I don't know where this is, but we're gonna say a place. And 
so he runs. He dashes over to him. He finds him in this old saloon area. And they fight. Gun on gun. Table on table. Destruction from bottles. Destruction from cars. It's everything. It's the Robot Wars. It's the Robocop. It is everything in police ways. And so we get to our next bit. Shane McMahon attempts to destroy him. Yeah, putting him through. Yes, that's right. A Spanish announce table. Because this bar has a Spanish announce table. And so he puts him there. And he jumps. But Ali counters. Rolls out the way. Putting a gun to his head. A 450 splash. And then, finally, when all else has ended, he covers him. Because it is a wrestling match. I forgot to mention it's a wrestling match. One, two, three. Shane McMahon has been arrested for the crimes of resulting in various illegal announced table activity, chair shots, and of course, running a secret one-hour fight club. Because that, my friends, is how anyone can chase the light. Jesus Christ, I lost all of the plot in that. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I clearly don't know how to book wrestling. This is why we all should watch Adam Blomfrey book wrestling. I, I should never be in charge of storylines, like, at all. So, yeah, th that pretty much wraps up the show. I think that's a, that's a weird way to end it. Uh, just as summary thoughts, I really hope they do push Ali at some point. I feel like it's such a missed opportunity. I think he's such a great wrestler. And yeah, I just wish they use him more and utilize into his ability. And really, that's just a thing in wrestling. There's so many great talent that it's hard to push everyone at once, and you probably can't. But at least give him something to do. I really want to see him graduate from being main event Mustafa and be, you know... The, one of the faces of Raw or SmackDown, because I generally do think he can be that. Either way, uh, if any of you really enjoyed this podcast, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, and you can follow me on Instagram. I'll, I'll put them in the descriptions. Uh, yep, uh, I'm deciding I'm going to plug my social media now. That's a thing. So, yeah, you can follow me at Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction, and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. Yeah, that's a thing. I'm 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 stealing that idea. So anyways, uh I hope all of you have a lovely day. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's honestly just such a joy making this from week to week. <laughs> making like random like booking stuff that probably doesn't make any sense, but it's a creative outlet, so it's something. And again, thank you so much for listening and I hope all of you have a lovely day, and remember, if you got anything out of this podcast, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all, and good night, everybody!